And then you can use AI to help proliferate that content, right? Get it out on the web. You can use it to really help you take that content and summarize it for various platforms. Because we know like tweeting about something is very different than putting it on LinkedIn. You need to use a different language. You need to use a different style. Tweets are short. LinkedIn posts are long, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where AI can also come in and help out. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about ACO, how you can craft your content strategy, how you can implement and how you can get results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Jared Bowman. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, big pleasure. I want to learn more about SEO. I pay a lot of attention to this channel. I get great results even with AI. Even with AI, I increase my results a lot, increased traffic and sales. And for me, it's more important to pay attention to sales than to get more traffic. Uh, Jared, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background and Anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Sure, yeah. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for um, almost 25 years now. Uh, my first entrepreneurial foray was starting a photography studio. I grew that and sold that after about 11 or 12 years. Uh, started a photo uh, a business editing photos with um, a couple other photographers. We grew that, sold my shares in that to my business partner. And now I'm on my, um, I guess my third business foray, but I run a online marketing agency, 201 Creative. And the bulk of what we do is SEO. So that plus some other side hustles. Um, I host a podcast called the Niche Pursuits Podcast, talk about SEO and other side hustle strategies. So I just kind of live in the world of online marketing and helping others with their online marketing these days. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Um, Jared, I want to ask about your agency. Uh, company. Um, can you tell why you are better than others? What is your strong side? The reason I'm asking about that because we have million agencies, freelancers. It's it's tough to find the right one. And I remember when I started my digital journey, I wasted two years to find the right agency because I had a few online projects. I failed to get results. I wasted a lot of money, resources, even more important, my time. But then I got it. I need to learn myself to uh, fix this error. If I'm going digital, I need to know how it works. And today, if I cooperate with any client, I usually tell them, you need to understand the basic. If you don't understand, nobody can help you. So let us know why you're better than others. What is your strong side? <laughs> Yeah, tough question. I suppose, I mean, you know, having, I've grown every business of mine on the back of digital marketing. And so I've been around the game since 2001. So I've, I've been here through all the changes, all the advancements and had to adapt over and over and over again. Um, and really that's the name of the game with, with online marketing these days is, you know, specifically if we look at SEO, I mean, Google is changing the playbook almost yearly now. Um, what worked a year ago isn't really working as well right now. Although the basics and the, the tried and true principles remain the same, the application of those and how companies uh, and individuals need to do that is always changing. So um, that'd be one thing. I, I've done it and I've proven a track record of being adaptable to continually doing it. 
I think on a tactical basis or just an everyday basis, I know something we hear from our clients all the time is that we don't really go with the traditional agency model of having an account manager. Um, every one of our clients works directly with me. And so I think a lot of our clients really like that. They like the personal touch and the ability to talk with a person who's kind of in charge of the strategy and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Um, let's talk about uh, transferring data to your clients. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you can share a list of recommendations, a lot of great tips, but according to data, customers implement a teeny percent of all recommendations. Uh, that's good if you have 40%. You can list a lot of data, what we need to do, what to fix, what kind of content to create. But uh, many companies are busy to implement all your ideas. And um, I want to know your methods, how to simplify this experience, how to explain importance of uh, your recommendations. Uh, so let us know how to do it right. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of, um, you know, this is kind of a bit of a sales tactic here, but it's very applicable to how we deliver to our clients a lot of people especially those in kind of specifically tech spaces they like to talk about and discuss and sell uh, features rather than benefits and in the seo world and really the broader online marketing world that'd be giving our clients a whole lot of things that are features but not really the benefits of them and so instead of giving our clients a laundry list of things to do or uh, questions to ask Obviously, we do still have questions for clients, but we always try to present it from a little bit more of a simpler approach for them, which is, hey, when we do this for you, these are the expected benefits of it. And so we try to avoid getting into the weeds because if you look at the avatar of anybody who's hiring an agency, it's either because they lack the expertise to do it themselves or they lack the time, you know, to, to, to make the time to do it themselves. And so either way, the simpler you make that back and forth, the more you focus on the benefits of it rather than the features of it, uh, the more it kind of uh, is in line with what they need and what they want, given the fact that you know so much about them already just by the fact they hired you. Yeah, nice, nice. Love it, love it. Uh, let's get back to the main topic about creating SEO content strategy. And I changed my approaches a lot. When I started my digital, I think uh, at that time I ignored creating blog content, info content, because Google couldn't recognize user intent. We created e-commerce content. We used a very simple approach to outrend our competitors to buy more backlinks that competitors had. <laughs> Many things changed since then. Uh, today, we pay more attention to high quality and create less bad quality. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of methods we use, uh, link building, uh, content creation we pay attention to quality. If I can't feel that I can create something better, much better content, then uh, I usually skip this topic, search for something else. Luckily, we have many great topics that covers sales funnel. And I want to ask about creating the right strategy, considering sales funnel, considering uh, customer's journey, because I see when companies chase high volume, chase uh, traffic but i don't care about traffic if i can't sell with this traffic so your tips how to do it right yeah it's a big topic i mean uh, you know I, I think that for starters you need to determine whether you're in this for the long term or the short term and i, I realize a lot of people are going to go oh, i'm in it for the long term but <clears throat> a lot of the stuff you see people doing you know there's this phrase in seo it works until it doesn't right and so if you're building 
a content strategy for the long term to try to position your website and your brand as an authority over the long haul, then you know you, you're going to want to cover the topic in depth. That's just simpler uh, if you want to stay ranking the long term. Now, uh, th that's not to say there aren't tons of stories out there with people who are maybe covering the content minimally and still doing well. Uh, people who uh, websites who maybe use uh, uh, you know maybe straight AI or or less than authentically creative content um, and, and you know we see lots of examples of that ranking nowadays and I could go on with example after example I think the bigger question is if you want it to rank long term and be less subject to the volatilities of the uh, of the Google algorithm updates then fully covering a topic it, it, we call it building topical authority is the bedrock of a strategy for content. Now, the problem with just limiting your keyword, your uh, content strategy to keyword research is that you're really only going after topics that have kind of already been fully built out or somewhat built out. And so this is where truly understanding your client and your market will really help so that you go beyond keyword research and you pull in topics that you know your customers are interested in but maybe don't show up in, you know, SEO and you know, ranking metrics and things like that. And so going beyond just a keyword map, but, you know, looking at all the topics that your market needs to be covered, that's kind of that's that's what I would say fully addresses the topic and topical authority. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few times about topical authority. I think it's important when you have relevant pages. Sometimes we even create content and we know we can't rank this content, we can't get traffic, but we still create them because of getting this topical authority. And if you interlink content, it works well for our projects. Uh, can you tell how it's important to have this topical authority? And uh, what do you think about focusing? Uh, is it a good idea to cover uh, less relevant topics or it's better to pay attention to 100% relevant topics? So topical authority and its importance is, is a bit relative. If you're Forbes magazine, you can write about whatever you want and topical authority does not matter. And we just see that proved time and time again, update after update that large publications, large online websites that have tons of backlinks, tons of authority, tons of age, and as a result, tons of trust with Google, they can kind of write about whatever they want. The, the game isn't the same for the rest of us. Uh, if you're a you know a local business or even a national business, but not one that is um, you know up in those echelons, then topical authority becomes important, and it becomes more and more important the less Google really knows and trusts about you. As you grow, yes, you can expand out, although that can have some risks and some components. And so we get hired by a lot of businesses who kind of overexpanded and then need to delete content as a result of that. But yeah, topical authority is really important it, the newer your website is or the less that you have established that authority. And what's what's that look like? Well, in a brass tax version, like do you, how much do you rank for in that topic, in that entire topic cluster? And if you rank for a lot of things, well, then, you know, you've probably done a decent job at gaining topical authority because Google's ranking you. It's kind of a pretty binary equation to answer. But if you're a newer website, even up to the likes of a pretty established website, but not quite the level of Forbes or New York Times, then topical authority is something you need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Forbes, New York Times and other websites are 
in another league you know they can create content and rank well because uh, i think these websites have a huge audience as well so sometimes they don't think about seo just to create content to satisfy this audience but uh, seo uh, works well for them because google uh, can see this topical authority and give them this ranking positions uh, uh, let's talk about ai you mentioned a little bit about ai i think uh, we can uh, dive deeper uh, because i have students in my network i have business owners uh, and different opinions about ai uh, today we can see that marketers and content creators lose jobs because of ai five percent of them lost jobs um, uh, for example i increase my revenue i increased results by using ai i use before chat gpt today i use a lot more and i think people don't lose jobs because of ai they lo lose jobs to someone who can adapt to ai uh, yeah. to get results with that so tell your methods how you use ai and how you recommend others to use ai yeah i mean i think we're all using ai to some degree because most of the software we use nowadays is using ai so whether you are on the uh whether you're a huge advocate of it or haven't implemented your business chances are you're using it whether you know it or not um i mean I, I we're using ai to simplify a lot of the processes that we have internally we're also using ai to streamline a lot of the processes we have internally that's where most of the kind of long-term benefits of ai have been um we use it for a lot of analysis um you know it basically allows us to get a much more complete picture of a client uh of their current website of their competitive landscape um etc cetera, etc cetera, right so from a analysis standpoint ai is really really helpful you know these these really large uh, large language models like chat gpt cloud um these these sorts of ones are their ability to, to process information in depth is pretty insane um you can also use it to get a head start on like a lot of the ticky tacky tasks that you have if you if you learn how to train it you know like you can train it in the way that you typically will respond to certain types of emails and then ask it to craft a first draft response to similar emails you can use it to produce um you know introductions and conclusions for documents that you're sending out um you know i know a lot of people who are using it for full-scale writing of content most people i know who are using it successfully meaning that it's kind of survived multiple updates and um reads well or people who use it to get that first draft and then modify it or edit it a little bit you know so i guess people are calling that ai assisted but i, I have friends who are using straight ai content i think it all just depends on where you're using it and what you're using it for right like um you know we, we've seen example over after example of people really not being happy with a completely ai generated article but for certain types of content it makes perfect sense you know like i just saw this week we're recording this right after black friday and cyber monday and uh, Amazon started using AI to summarize what all the reviewers have said about a product. And they say it's AI created and the, the results or responses so far have been really positive because instead of having to read every review to get a sense for what it is like, the product itself, you can get a summary of the things that people said. And so, again, I I'm starting to kind of go on and on, but I think understanding the audience for that task or for that action and then understanding where AI plays into it is a really smart way to approach it. And then, yeah, use AI and a lot of different things to help simplify or help go deeper in stuff that otherwise would have taken you too long to go deep on. 
Yeah, I I got from your reply. You can use AI everywhere for all processes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I like this idea from Amazon because it takes time to read all these reviews. When you have get the summary, why not? <laughs> you can save so much time. Yeah, I'll check it. Interesting about that. Um, I want to ask about content creation more with AI because uh, uh, I use a lot to create content. And uh, I don't think so that I need to survive. Uh, we only rank higher, uh, get results. Uh, because um, I even sometimes get, uh, uh, I, I use some uh, AI detector to check, analyze content, and even content detectors can tell that it's AI written. But I think people don't care, and uh, Google uh, doesn't care too if you can create quality so if you can create quality of course we spend time to edit we spend time to set up the right prompts but if you get the quality who cares if it's ai written or not so i i use a lot and in trading uh, uh investing niches where we pay so much attention we got mentions on cnn Business Insider, uh, Investing.com, uh, Dow Jones, big websites, Bloomberg, by using AI content. So if CNN can estimate this content is like quality, it means it's quality. <laughs> so uh, tell your methods how to create AI, uh, how to create content with AI. Because uh, what I see, uh, when content creators use it, uh, to create a lot of content at scale, but it's low quality, uh, I, I think... Uh, if you use it smart, you can get great results, even at scale. So any tips how to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in your intro, you you kind of actually said what is most important. I Most people ask me, like, can AI content rank? And these, these sorts of questions. I, I don't think they're bad questions, but I just think they're the wrong version of the right question. And the right question is, of course, anything can rank as long as the user metrics are there. And the user metrics we know Google uses, and they're more important than just if Google uses them, but they're... They're, they're vital for your brand, right? Like if you can use AI to produce content, whether edited by a human or not, and it satiates what the reader wants, it answers their questions, it gives them value, it, they trust it, whatever that looks like, then that's good. It should always come back to, does this content, is it satisfying our goal? And you said at the beginning, like the goal really is profit. <laughs> if you're writing product reviews for a content website, are they believable enough? That people are converting and buying products that you recommend. If you're a SaaS brand, are your landing pages and sales pages giving the reader enough information to buy um, and, and so forth and so on. If you're a local business, a service business, a plumber, and you're using AI, it, are the pages you're creating, are they getting engagement from users? Or do they like them? And if they do, then I think that's the right way to answer the question. Now, in terms of how to create content, you want to first establish like what does content need to look like for you. So you need to have a process and you need to create that into a standard operating process, something that can be repeated every single time, even if you're the one doing all of it. It doesn't matter. You want to have a process that you're repeating every time because you want to take the time to establish what you want. And then you can start to figure out where AI plugs into that. AI is fantastic, for example, at researching all the topical ideas that need to go in your article and getting a really, really um, a good, well-written outline for your article to be written. You can take the websites that are ranking right now and plug them into AI and ask them to pull out the commonalities, the topics that are important to address. Uh, you can pull in other types of content like video content, forum content, and 
use all of this to make a really detailed outline. Um, at that point, I typically still like to see human writers write, experts write. Um, I do like to see AI help with introductions, with conclusions, adding some frequently asked questions. Um, and then you can use AI to help uh, proliferate that content, right? Get it out on the web. You can use it to really help you take that content and summarize it for various platforms. Because we know like tweeting about something is very different than putting it on LinkedIn. You need to use a different language. You need to use a different style. Tweets are short, LinkedIn posts are long, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where AI can also come in and help out. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Jared, uh, I want to ask about the word that I see in your agency name, creativity. Uh, I think it's important to be creative. Whatever you do, you need to stand out from the rest. But I see when content creators misunderstand creativity uh, and uh, they think like uh, user intent uh, can kill creativity because you need to reply to the question. Your competitors uh, have uh, such replies in the top 10 results. But uh, can you tell how to be creative if you need to consider user intent, especially with AI? Because uh, many content creators complain that AI is not creative. It's not human touch. Yeah, of course, it's the best rewriting tool, but you need to use it smart. So any tips about creativity, AI, and user intent? <laughs> yeah, good question. I mean, it's funny because AI, as it serves the purpose right now in, in our environment and content creation today, it's really actually just doing what content creators have been doing for the last five or six years anyways. And fortunately, five or six years ago, Google's algorithm started rewarding what was already ranking. And you know, new creative ideas were not rewarded because Google didn't trust those ideas. So in other words, if I wanted to write a product review, I would need to basically review the products that the others in the top 10 included because otherwise Google wouldn't trust my article and wouldn't rank it. So it created this almost amalgamation of content where everyone was writing the same stuff because you had to in order to rank. And it really killed off creativity. Here we have AI and people are talking about how AI isn't very creative, but AI is just doing the same thing. It's just looking at all the content that's already out there and coming up with the best answer based on what it's already seen. And so it's created a huge, huge um, inf information gap, if you will, or opportunity to add something new. Now, I do think there's something to semantics uh, in SEO entities, making sure that Google sees certain entities on a page in order to rank for them. I won't deep dive that unless you want me to, but <laughs> just the idea that like, you know, if you're going to talk about, say, um, the, the president of the United States, like, you're probably going to need to also talk about, you know, where he served in office prior to that. And there's certain entities or semantics that have to be mentioned. That notwithstanding, there is something called information gain. And information gain is kind of this concept that Google's actually patented on, uh, 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 on addressing something that's really never been surfaced on the Internet before. So there's kind of a blend. And creativity right now means you're you're... You're creating content that does have the entities needed to build trust, not only with the algorithm, but with the reader, you know, um, but it also involves coming up with something new that you're adding to the Internet. That's kind of in some ways never been put there before. If you can do both in your article, if you can do both in your content, if you can do both in your landing pages, if you can do both on, on your entire domain, I think you're being creative while still satisfying all the aspects of search intent we see right now. Mm -hmm. uh you mentioned about articles and uh, according to data, blog content uh, gets more traffic than any other type of content, plus 50% of all traffic are coming to blog content. And I'm curious about the future of this content. Uh, let me 
clarify why. <laughs> uh, I remember when I started, yeah, I ignored blog content. Today, uh, we create a lot of uh, articles that can uh, cover sales funnel. Uh, but uh, Google is decreasing the number of clicks. Uh, and uh, year by year, we get less traffic. Uh, and um, today, chatbots can reply to some questions and people can change or switch search engines to chatbots. And uh, I think it's possible. Um, I disagree when someone can tell chatbots can't because from my personal experience, for example, when I decided to buy Tesla and I search on Google, can I drive uh, Tesla on Florida with this uh, self-driveless uh, self feature? And uh, I couldn't find the answer on Google. So basically, I found some articles and uh, I needed to read more to deep uh, to get more content about that. But I don't need. I need just simple answer. And then I ask on ChatGPT and got this answer for a few seconds. Then I decided to open a new business in Florida. Uh, I was looking for a list of documents. And in Google, the same. I got a lot of great articles, but I don't need this information. I need a simple list, and I got this list in BART for a few seconds. Uh, and yeah, I'm curious about the future. Uh, for example, uh, if Google is decreasing the number of clicks because of feature snippets, but at least Google links to our content. Chatbots don't, you know, they just steal our content, uh, rewrite in other words. Uh, what do you think, uh, what kind of future will be in blog uh, content and where we need to pay attention today? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it looks either very rosy or very, uh, very, very bad, depending on where you sit inside of that larger question. I mean, it comes down to where, which types of queries people want human responses from and which types of queries people are fine with an AI response. And there's certain queries, I'm fine with an AI response. I don't need a human to tell me the weather, you know, what the weather is right now in London. <clears throat> I don't need a human to tell me what year so-and-so was born. I don't need a human to tell me very basic things or things that don't require perspective, nuance, these sorts of things. But I do want a human for other things. I do want a human when I'm trying to figure out where to take my family on vacation and which activities to do. I don't want a chatbot telling me what to do. Maybe a chatbot can give me some ideas, but in the day when I'm trying to pick between four or five ideas of what to do on a family vacation, I want someone who's been to that location, has that experience, has that insider edge, that insider knowledge, and I want a human to talk to me about that. I don't want a chatbot to dictate my travel itinerary, right? So these are some examples. And I think that what we're going to find long-term is that if you're in an, a niche or you're in a, an area where humans are fine with AI responses, then yeah, the future of your content is long-term, probably in trouble. But there's plenty of space, I think, I could be wrong about this, but there's plenty of space where people still and will crave answers and demand answers from humans. And AI is going to have a much harder role taking your traffic when it comes to those kind of queries. Yeah, I agree. I think we still have a room. We will have this room, but uh, some part of traffic chatbots will steal. A hundred percent, because uh, uh, th that is why Google is uh, launching this uh, SGA. You now we'll see how it works. And um, uh, let's talk about creating this content. I want to ask more about uh, this because it's a big struggle, especially today with AI. In 2008, I had a team of writers who wrote about anything. 
I gave them topics about weight loss, finance, anything. They wrote, Google ranked. Today, uh, Google fired this team. Okay, I fired this team, but Google pushed me forward, you know, to fire all these people. And uh, today we cooperate with experts who know the topic. Uh, I help my clients to find specialist offers because it's a big struggle for almost everyone, for, for all companies that come to us. And I spoke with many other agencies, experts. It's a big struggle to find someone who can create high-quality content because I see... Two reasons. The first, an expert should know the topic. The second, this person needs to write quality text. Uh, so if you can't write, I'm not sure you can create high quality content. If you don't know the topic, you can't. So tell your methods how to find copywriters today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a number of different ways to do it. You know, like uh, sometimes the expert isn't a good writer, to your point. Sometimes a good writer isn't a you know an expert. Like uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't met too many plumbers who do plumbing every day, have an experience with plumbing, own a plumbing business. Haven't met many of them who are eloquently spoken in you know in uh, in, in 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 writing. Right? Like that's just not their bag, and that's not to stereotype them. I'd give you a hundred examples of that where the experts aren't experts at writing about it. It's the same kind of theory where the people who are really good at something aren't always the ones who are really good at teaching it, right? And so the, the same kind of analogy applies. And so I think the blend that is what we found, at least at my agency, the best is you take really good writers who know how to write and are smart. You know, they're not just robotic writers, but they're really good writers. And they you pair them with an expert and you glean the expert insights from the expert, but you don't make them write it. And you give those expert insights along with all the kind of topical research I talked about before, and you give that to a writer. And then you make sure it's edited, it's proofread, it's it's reviewed by an expert as well, so that the finished product has a lot of what an expert would want to share, but it's done usually better than what an expert could produce on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting approach. Um, yeah, I usually search for people who can write and know the topic, but... Uh... Yeah. If you can find those, man, those are the Holy grail. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, like the best case scenario is go hire someone with some plumbing experience and have them write if they're good writers about, about all these plumbing topics. Right. Yeah. It's really hard, really hard to find that a little easier to find good writers and expert plumbers who can give you some insights on the side, but yeah, not to argue against your strategy. That one would work very well too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's talk about mistakes in my life. I made a lot of mistakes terrible mistakes, slight mistakes. In SEO, I don't know a tiny percent of, of what's going on, I think. Uh, even people who work in Google uh, don't know how AI can run websites content. So uh, we need to learn, we need to test, experiment. But it takes time. In SEO, it takes time, at least three weeks, you need to check something. Uh, tell SEO mistakes that you know from your experience companies still do, but can avoid? Well, I mean, a lot of companies have experience and expertise already. They're doing the task. And that is a huge asset and advantage. I'd say that the majority of the content that out is out there these days is from people or businesses that don't really have a lot of experience. Um, uh, and, and so that's, that's, that's interesting to me because most of the content that people who have experience create doesn't end up ranking. 
And that's because it takes this blend, this blend of, of having that knowledge base, but also knowing how to get it to rank. Um, and so a lot of the things that I see as mistakes are gaps between what people know and then what they do to get it to rank, you know? They'll write a lot of really great blog posts that have a lot of good knowledge in them, but not add any internal links. And so they're kind of all these orphan pages. And while they might be great content, Google's just not able to rank it because they can't crawl the website very well. Mm -hmm. People have um, pretty websites that if people actually manage to get to them, they would really enjoy them. But the problem is they're so tech burdened by all the tech debt. They're so slow. They're so out of date that people don't enjoy the experience. And so they bounce. And so they don't get to experience this cool website because instead it's loaded down with all this, you know, plugin problems and site speed issues and those kinds of things. And so that's a kind of usually, you know, to start to sum up, but I think like a lot of big mistakes are in missing internal linking, um, not creating, um, not fully building out, you know, kind of your entity map of yourself and your business, not connecting all the dots for Google, not fully building out social profiles and get trying to get traffic from more than one channel not trying to um, put time and effort into reviews, uh, your business profile through Google and other review platforms. Maybe it's Yelp for you. Maybe it's industry specific. But I think more brands need to be doing more things to connect the dots and not just focusing on one channel. You know, you'll probably hear this. You'll, you'll, you'll get a client and they're, they do really, really well on YouTube and that's where they get all their business. But if that changes tomorrow, their business would go down. And so a lot of the things that we recommend in terms of mistakes come down to just not kind of checking enough boxes for people to stay relevant across the board. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Love it. Love it. Uh, let's talk about link building. I want to touch this topic. Um, you mentioned uh, that Forbes doesn't need link building. I think many big websites, great websites uh, don't need link building too. For example, Neil Petal. Uh, I remember he said that he stopped doing link building for uh, neilpatel.com because of having this authority. But um, what I see that um, it's not my vision. Uh, I think uh, uh, many blog articles, uh, expert opinions, even Google can share that uh, link building is not uh, in the top five uh, ranking uh, algorithms. Um, but I remember when Google created this algorithm to overcome Yahoo, AltaVista, many big websites, uh, to rank websites because of authority. Today it's decreasing, but uh, I don't know the importance of link building. Of course, it depends on the product, but um, uh, I know some experts who, who can tell that uh, they don't use link building to get a million traffic. They are right. I know someone who, who can tell, no, we need to have uh, authority links. We need to consider link building. It's still important. Uh, I think uh, if something works for someone, it doesn't mean it works for uh, everyone. So tell your input about link building. Do we need, uh, if we don't, why we don't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very tough to listen to other people's opinions about link building if they're sharing from a a personal you know a personal standpoint because you just don't know enough of the facts link building is one of the most nuanced things and not just link building but just links in general and their importance to ranking um because you know i, I think if there's ever a term or a topic that it depends the age-old seo adage if it if there's ever one that applies to its link building uh but i do think from a broad perspective no matter what google says or doesn't say 
the effect of links on your rankings is extremely apparent and in a couple of areas. But again, it does depend on your situation. You brought up big sites like Forbes or Neil Patel. Uh, the value of building links when you're a high authority website is greatly diminished up against, say, a brand new website. There's five or 10 foundational links that will completely change Google's perspective of you. And if you're a brand new website and you don't have any really good links, those first five or 10 links will be groundbreaking, will be life-changing for that website. And so you get the, on one side of the coin, if you're a brand new website, those first five or 10 good links will completely change the game for you compared to if you're a huge authority website, five or 10 links will never even be a drop in the bucket. And then everything there in between. And then you also see the effects of links across different types of things in the algorithm. So for example, we work with a lot of companies that come to us and they never built many links. And as a result, their domain doesn't have a lot of links pointing to it. And they've done very well for a while in rankings, but then an update will come along and will knock them down 40, 50%. And one thing we've definitely seen, especially the last three years or so, is that the more links you have, the more good links you have, the more authority you have online, the less susceptible you tend to be to these frequent algorithm updates. And so link building or links in general are really important, but it depends where you're at with your website as to how important it is. Super authoritative website, you're going to be less likely to need many links because you're going to you're already going to have a lot of authority and you're going to be able to be able to withstand the Google algorithm updates that come fast and furious. Brand new website, you better get some links uh, just to start ranking or if you are ranking to withstand coming algorithm updates. And then there's obviously every one of the rest of us who's in between and kind of stuck trying to figure that out along the way. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, I want to ask my um, question that I often get from uh, my listeners. Uh, and they consist from students and business owners, founders who want to get the basic. Uh, students want to become experts in one day uh, business owners want to understand the basic to cooperate with great experts so different goals but anyway i want to ask you if you started today from scratch without any experience knowledge skills it's your first day in seo you know google exists but you don't know and have no idea how it works how it ranks any website so what will you do today if you started from scratch oh i'd spend the first couple of weeks um, online, soaking up every bit of information I could. I mean, it's it's so different now. A lot of people, and I, I hope people who are new hear this because I hear a lot of people who will come to me and ask me, they'll say, it's so much harder to start online nowadays than it was even just five years ago. And I say, it's harder, but it's easier. It's harder in that it's harder. There's more competition than ever before. But back when I started my first business in 2001, we barely had the internet. <laughs> we didn't have YouTube yet. We didn't have people writing content, sharing with others about how to do things. We didn't have social media networks to link us all together where we could ask questions and get feedback and get answers. So it's harder nowadays, but the amount of information that's available online is, uh, is unlike any before. Um, in, an effort, in, an, in an effort to try not to get overwhelmed, I'd, I'd start by doing research on who I wanted to follow. Um, what experts or what content I wanted to satiate. And then I would go deep, deep, deep down that rabbit hole. You can save yourself so many future mistakes if you educate yourself up front and try 
to learn as much as possible before you start um, uh, doing. At the same time, don't get stuck in that pattern that a lot of people who listen to the podcast I host get stuck in, which is they are so nervous about making a mistake that they sit on the sidelines for years and years and years thinking about starting something. So there's a balance, you know, make sure you're educated enough to where you can eliminate kind of those high level mistakes that you might be able to learn from, but don't wait in the sidelines so long that you don't get going. So in, in conclusion, I'd probably spend two weeks learning everything I could. And then I just go full tilt at it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I think, uh, it's important to learn, but it's more important to act, you know, when you learn. Uh, I, and uh, yeah, I, I remember a few people uh, who overlearned and I told them it doesn't work. You can learn everything, but if you do nothing, you get nothing. And we have the short memory. People forget. And we learn the best from our own mistakes, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. You know, as long as, as long as it doesn't kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Chances are you're going to learn a good amount from it. And that's where we learn the most. So yeah, it's important to read and listen, chat and talk, but yeah, jump off the, jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I started my first PR campaigns, I, I wrote a bunch of press releases. Uh, I uh, pitched all of them. I got zero mentions, zero results, nothing, but I acquired skills, how to do it. Right. Yep. Then, yeah, then I hired a few specialists who can write great, great press releases. Uh, I learned these tools and pitch them uh, to relevant journalists and we got mentions, great mentions, uh, many big websites. So um, one press release got plus 55 uh, links and mentions uh, and this list is huge with uh, high authoritative websites plus 90 authority like uh, Coindesk, uh, CNN, yeah, very big websites. So yeah, uh, and I have my final question about the future. I often ask this question and uh, uh, I open your uh, LinkedIn account and your company account and I see that you combine SEO with other marketing, digital marketing channels, uh, paid marketing, social media. I think it's important today because we don't know. Uh, I think uh, SEO will be great, but everything has the end. SEO is not exception. Uh, SEO will be dead in my perspective, but it takes time to change habits, you know, like uh, decades, <laughs> we still have time to do it. Uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of channel we get, uh, we can switch our attention where a customer's attention uh, is. And uh, for me, if you have experience to create high quality content for SEO, you will survive to any channel. It's like marketers on TV and radio didn't lose their jobs. They adapted to digital. So we can adapt to augmented reality, to any other channel, uh, even SEO is that. But if you have this experience, you can go ahead. Uh, I want to ask your vision about the future, what kind of future will be in ACO and how we can adapt to this possible future. Yeah, you kind of, I mean, you kind of took the playbook right there. I mean, the, the, uh, like AI is here and it's here to stay. Um, it's going to impact every industry. It's going to impact every industry a bit differently in our industry. We need to make sure that we understand that because of all the efficiencies that are gained, the winners are going to be the ones who maximize the amount of value you can get from every content, every piece of content, every idea, every new thing that you can you can bring to the internet. And so, um, you know, SEO is extremely volatile, and so are all the social media channels. 
Um, uh, I do think maybe the holy grail of everything will be email marketing going forward. Uh, I think an extension of that is, is, is SMS marketing as well. I think that having people's uh, ear through their inbox and through their phone, those are the two most personal connections we can have with someone outside of actually sitting down face to face with them. Um, and so I think that those two forms of marketing are perhaps going to be the more and more valuable, whereas all these other ones might be a little bit decreasing in value. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's about having a story to tell and having a connection with your audience and the people and the brands who don't worry as much about SEO versus social media, who don't worry as much about AI versus human content, who don't worry as much about links versus no links or et cetera. The people who worry about a brand's voice and connection with their clients, doesn't matter all this stuff that comes and goes. People are still going to connect to that brand. And as a result, they're going to buy. And, and that's, I, th I think out of everything, like it's really easy, especially in this year with all the changes. What a year it's been in digital marketing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it's been hard to keep up. It's been hard to breathe. But the perspective is all of these things that have happened in this year and future years, they're going to still pale in comparison to the businesses that are able to create and establish that relationship with their customer base and, and, and have a voice with them. So that's what yeah. I would focus on going forward. And all the rest of these things are important, but they all feed into the larger picture of how you're connecting with your target market. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I like the approach that Neil Patel uses. He doesn't read ACO news. Uh, and uh, I agree with this approach because uh, when you pay attention to create high quality content, it works for any channel. Uh, SEO, uh, I mean, like Google considers high quality content um, in ranking positions and you don't need to know all these updates because it's tough to understand how it works, but uh, creating content better than your competitors, you you will be fine. Uh, and I remember when John Mueller said about that, uh, people read so much SEO news. <laughs> it's better to, to, to use this time to create content or uh, think how you can stand out from the rest. Um, I love these approaches and I, I'm not super active to read content. I like to learn from uh, podcast guests. Uh, I read SEO news, but not so much uh, the, because I have only 24 hours a day. I need to uh, use the mm -hmm. smart to create content. Um, and Jared, I, I, I still have one question for you because uh, you have your podcast. I love listening podcasts. It's my for my second favorite format after uh, books. Uh, and uh, I have a huge list of podcasts that I want to listen. Uh, I still have 24 hours a day and probably uh, one, two hours for podcasts when I, I'm exercising, uh, training, uh, walking with my dogs. N not so much time, but I still have this time. Uh, that is why I'm so picky to choose podcasts in my list, uh, many great podcasts. I want to ask you what kind of benefits I can get and my audience can get by listening to your podcast, how you share value, how you can help uh, marketers to find the right way. Yeah, no, good question. Yeah, well, the Niche Pursuits podcast has been around for 13 years now, I believe, 12 or 13 years. It's been around for a very long time, kind of like me, been around in this industry for a very long time. Every Wednesday, we interview um, uh, someone who's having su unique success uh, in the online marketing world, whether it's from like a side hustle standpoint, whether it's from an online work uh, project or an Amazon project or et cetera, et cetera, YouTube. We interview people who 
are achieving success. And we spend an hour getting into the tactics of it. So I think, you know, if you listen to a Wednesday episode, you're going to walk away with probably at least a page or two of notes and some practical things that you can take to apply to your project. And then every Friday, we release a podcast where we go over the news in digital marketing. And I mean, why listen to that? Well, you said it, so you don't have to keep up with the news. A lot of people just don't even bother reading all the stuff. They just tune in for 45 minutes a week, listen to the news, and they can move on. So we just go over the, the news of the week, talk about it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that means I have to stay very involved in the news every week because I got to talk about it every week on yeah. Friday. But for listeners, they can um, maybe uh, you know not so worry so much about all the stuff that's hitting the news every week and just catch up on the podcast episode. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, I'll submit two links to the podcast in the description below so you can listen uh, this podcast. I'm going to do it. I want to check uh, to give the chance. Then if you can win me <laughs> in a few episodes, then I will listen to all episodes or choose uh, the best episodes. Jared, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. I love it. So valuable. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Oh, thanks, Anatoly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty active on Twitter, and my handle is my name, Jared Bauman. So at Jared Bauman, um, uh, I have a blog, weekendgrowth.com, where I send out a weekly newsletter. Uh, again, just take a topic, drill deep into it, teach you how to do it. We're talking schema this week. We talked all about how to find out if your website's trusted uh, via Google last week. So um, uh, those are the two places to find me. And then if you know, if you happen to have a business that would benefit from my agency's help that's 201creative.com nice nice uh so elon musk didn't break your heart so you you still he's working on it <laughs> yeah he's good with that he needs more time <laughs> he's working on it yeah he's doing his darndest but hasn't hasn't broken me yet <laughs> nice nice okay guys you can find the link to twitter account x account in the description too um i recommend to anyone to listen uh podcast because you can learn a lot more you can see a lot of valuable insights follow on twitter and see you next time thanks for tuning in to unmiss enjoyed the show drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom see you next episode